don't know if I've got enough to say. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of No Experts, the show where we talk about all things life, the good, the bad and the ugly. I'm your host Bron and I'm on my own today, which is a little bit nerve-wracking. I don't really like talking by myself, it feels like I'm talking to myself right now. Um, but I'm just sitting at home chilling and I was thinking about cleaning the house and um, I thought uh, I might record a podcast episode instead. Um, because I haven't released one this week and I need to get one out. So here I am sitting in my bedroom nice and quietly recording a podcast episode. You may hear kids in the background. It's because my children are home. Obviously, it's a Saturday. So so I thought I'd take this opportunity to um, get a little deeper. The last couple of episodes have just been a little bit of banter and talking. And um, I think it's time to tell a little bit of my story. And it's all sort of come to the forefront because um, I recently took Liam to the optometrist because he's been hounding me to get um, eye, eye test because he thought he needed glasses and, you know, really wanted glasses. And I was, you know, constantly saying, no, 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 you're all right. Your eyes are fine. You know, you're fine. You can read all of this, you know, stuff to try and make myself feel better. And he just asked me that many times. And I was like, okay, let's go to the optometrist. Um, just to shut him up really um, because that's the type of parent I am um, so I took both the boys to the optometrist and the f- it was about a month ago and Liam sat down in the chair and the optometrist couldn't see his eyes properly um, and we chalked that up to him being in the pool that day um, and he complains all the time about having sore eyes in the pool so um, we were told to wait come back in a couple of weeks and don't swim for two days before we come to the appointment so we did that and last week we came back went to the eye test and the um, test came back that he is a little long-sighted so the optometrist wanted to find out how long-sighted he was so they put these drops in his eyes and I've never seen this before it was a little bit daunting um, it actually paralyzed the eyeball and stop him from being able to focus from you know near to far which took about 40 minutes to kick in so we went for a little um, morning tea date um, and I could tell when the eye drops kicked in because his pupils were that dilated that um, you know it almost looked like he was on some sort of drug which I guess he was but and he couldn't handle all the bright light Um, so we went back in to retest and the prescription doubled for him with those eye drops in so um alas we came back this week and picked up his glasses so he can start wearing them and hopefully as he grows and his eyeball grows eyes eyeballs grow it'll be um, his eyes will be better and he won't need glasses for the rest of his life Um, but i felt so guilty going to the optometrist and realizing that he needed glasses and that he'd been struggling the optometrist showed me with lenses what he'd been seeing and I nearly cried in the optometrist because I couldn't focus any words that I was being shown so yeah I was get I was pretty upset I felt so bad for 
basically fobbing him off every time he asked me to go to the optometrist, um, which sort of made me think back to the early days when I had newborns and the guilt that I felt for feeling certain types of way. And I'm hoping by telling this story that people will feel better about the way they're feeling in their, in their moments of despair. And I'll start by saying that we had a dream first baby. Ethan was amazing. He, you know, even though he came out very slowly, um, we won't go into labor stories just yet, but he was straight on the boob as soon as he came out and he just fed and fed and fed, but, you know, would fill up and then sleep and, you know, five weeks in to having him home and he was sleeping through the night. We, he was in our bedroom until he was 10 months old and we were like, oh, we better put him in his own bedroom because, you know, he was just such a good baby sleeping all night and feeding properly. I, we know we mix fed him in the end because he, um, I couldn't keep up with him breast uh, wise because he just, you know, was just a big chopper bubber and just wanted more and more food. So gave him formula and breast and then he got his first tooth and bit me and I decided it was time just to go on formula. But he was just a happy baby in general and easy. And um, then we had Liam and it was a very rude shock. It was almost like Ethan pulled us into this false sense of security of having a really good baby. And don't get me wrong, Liam is beautiful and I love him and um, I wouldn't trade him for the world, but he was um, just a cranky baby. He was cranky because he couldn't roll over and then cranky because he couldn't crawl and then cranky because he couldn't stand up and so on and so forth. Um, and he just fed constantly and he didn't take any bottles, not even with breast milk in them. He just wanted boob. Um, and I was getting so exhausted. Um, I couldn't, I just couldn't, I would feed him and then, you know, he'd fall asleep on the boob and not want any more and go to sleep. And I would think every time I would think, oh yes, he's going to sleep. He'll sleep for ages. And two hours later, he'd wake up screaming, um, for more boob. And, you know, when it goes on through the night and you haven't slept, you just start to feel, feel really frustrated and depressed. And, you know, I, I don't, I never got diagnosed with, um, any postnatal depression and I still don't know if I did have it but um, I think I was pretty close if I didn't. Um, I got to a really low point. Liam was eight months old and he was still waking up every you know two hours to have boob and I couldn't get him to take a bottle. You know the only time he took a bottle was when a friend of mine babysat for the night and he took a bottle of her fine but he never took a bottle again after that for a long, long time. Um, and yeah, at eight months old, I had reached a point where he had just woken up one too many times. And I took him out of the cradle to try and settle him. And he was just screaming. Um, he wouldn't, he wouldn't even latch. He wouldn't drink. He just, you know, his nappy was fine. He was just screaming. And I, at that point, I almost zoned out. I felt like maybe I wasn't even in my own body, but I held him above my head and I pretty much yelled at Joel, my partner, um, 
that I was going to throw him through the window that was right next to our bed. And I did. I had him over my head and I wanted to, seriously wanted to throw him through the window just to make it stop. I couldn't think of any other way out. And Joel was like, put the baby down, get your pillow, and we're going to the spare bedroom. And I did. I followed him to the spare bedroom after putting Liam back in his cradle. And he was still screaming. Um, and I just laid in the bed in the spare bedroom for like half an hour listening to him scream and just, you know, was still feeling that, that lowness, that despair of, you know, I've done everything that I can do. What else can I possibly do to make him stop crying besides ending it with him? Um, and then finally he stopped crying and I felt relieved that he wasn't crying anymore, but then I felt instantly felt scared that he was maybe not breathing so I I checked on him to make sure he was okay and he was he was breathing he was dead to the world sleeping um and I went to bed um back into the spare bedroom and slept and he slept for the rest of the night like seriously he the first time he'd slept probably four or five hours straight since he was born um and I felt so horrible that I had just held my newborn baby, you know, well, he wasn't newborn, he was eight months old, but held him above my head and wanted to, wanted to throw him so bad. And in that moment, well, not in that moment, but later on, I thought, I do really sympathize with parents that do this sort of thing. I... I couldn't, right now I couldn't dream of ever hurting my children, whether they were, you know, little shits or not. But I understand there's moments where you go, this is it, like this is, if I just do this, if I just throw him through the window, he stops crying and everything's over. You don't think about the aftermath or the fact that, you know, this is a human life in your hands. You just think, I just want it to stop. Um... And I don't condone it. I don't think that it's right by any stretch of the imagination, but I just think there's a point in parents' minds and where they just can't take anymore. Um, and I still feel the guilt now, but I still tell the story because I think it's important for especially new mothers to know that it's it's not uncommon it it is normal to feel this way it's it's okay to feel sad and depressed and it's okay to think that you know as long as you're not following through with those actions um but it's really important also to get help and I really wish that I had gotten help for that because uh, maybe I wouldn't have reached that point if I had have reached out earlier but I was you know you get you just don't you don't want to tell people when you're feeling that way you just want to keep it to yourself because you feel guilty you feel bad for thinking that your child is like the worst child in the world and you feel like people will judge you if you are open about it and your friends probably wouldn't judge you but you also aren't really in a state of mind where you can you know think rationally about it and open up about it because you know I had friends that had newborns as well at the same time and you know they were look like they were having a grand old time 
they had beautiful babies that were sleeping and, you know, all this, but maybe they were struggling too and just didn't want to, you know, you know, when you, you know, you got young babies and you don't want to put your issues on to someone else who has a baby because they've got their own issues. So, and I'm, you know, now my children are nine and six, so I'm way past that newborn stage. I'm just, I just felt it necessary to tell that story because I feel like some people will need to hear that because they might be feeling the same way and they might feel super, super bad. And, you know, that also adds to depression if you're feeling like you're the only, the only one thinking these thoughts. I definitely thought I was the only one thinking those thoughts. And when we left him in that bedroom and he slept all night, that was the decision I made to put him in his own bedroom from then on because I actually think we were waking him up. Um, unfortunately, I'm a snorer. Joel's a snorer. Um, and I think we were actually waking him up with our snoring and he would just wake up and think it was food time, but we didn't connect it because we had such a good baby in Ethan and you, th- you would think that we would catch on sooner, but we didn't. Um, it's almost like you have a second baby and you've started all over again. It's like you've never had a newborn before. Everything sort of falls out of the, the head and you forget. That was just a little bit of um, what I went through when I had a bad newborn. Um, and I'd be interested to hear other people's stories if they've had a similar situation or if they've had the opposite had the really bad baby first and had had a good baby and why you went back <laughs> because I know that I wouldn't have gone back for another one knowing the way that that's how that's how bad I got that I know for a fact that I would not have gone back for a second one had Liam been our first baby and that's really sad to think that I would have missed out on a really you know beautiful child um you know but my partner went and had a vasectomy because of Liam being so bad. I mean, we were considering having a third baby and yeah, no, not for us. Um, no, thank you. So I'd really like to hear what everybody else thinks. I'm, you know, I'm on the other side of it now and I still feel bad about it, but I also know that I'd never hurt him. So something inside of me obviously wouldn't let me physically throw my child through a window um but in that moment of despair anything is possible and I'm just glad that I had Joel there to pull me away out of that hole and tell me that it's just time to stop and you know leave leave the room so let me know your thoughts um tell me your stories uh I've just told you my worst story, so I'm not going to judge any anyone that has any bad stories, or you know, because I feel um, I feel like it happened for a reason. I've I know that me telling I've told a lot of people this story, um, especially new mothers, and I th- you know I don't know if it helps them. I don't want to be you know conceited or up myself and say oh I helped so many people by telling my story but I think it just helps people feel like they're not alone when you don't feel alone you feel safe um on that subject of you know babies that feed express uh, exclusively breast or exclusively bottle how did you guys navigate that because I found it really difficult to 
just exclusively uh, breastfeed Liam. It was one of those things where, you know, I loved it, but, you know, when you're being, when you're just basically a human milk machine and every two hours you have to feed a thing and you don't have a choice because I won't take anything else um how did you deal with that because I I remember feeling so exhausted and hence why I told my story because I did I got pretty tired um you know eventually Liam clicked and you know we went to the stage through the stages of buying different brands of formula to try because we thought maybe oh maybe he doesn't like this flavor maybe he doesn't like this brand and um it was just a non-event and then all of a sudden he it was like a switch went off in his brain it was like oh i'll take formula now in a bottle and it was like you know one of the best days of my life when he decided yep i'm going to take a bottle now and i'm going to be a good baby for you um once he started sleeping through the night everything settled down and you know he still was a cranky bit of a cranky baby but cute you know that you could just say oh he's so cute when he's cranky um but he wasn't overly loving either and I don't know if that's because of the way I felt um when he was a newborn and up to 12 months old he just wasn't you know ask him you'd ask him for a cuddle as a toddler and he'd be like nah um whereas Ethan was like super cuddly super super cuddly and like um, you know, just wanted love all the time. And Liam is very loving now and he wants cuddles all the time. But I was really worried for a while that he would never, ever love me. <laughs> and I thought maybe that's because I tried to throw him through a window. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. Kids uh, can be so different from each other. And we really thought that having, you know, I didn't even think, you know, I'm, I'm so different from my brothers and my three brothers uh, younger brothers are so different from each other but you know when you have when you're in the moment with your own children you don't think that you think oh my they came from us and they're going to be exactly the same and alas that is not I think a big part of me felt so alone because we lived so far away from family and I only really had friends to turn to and I didn't have many friends. I choose not to have many friends, but when you live away from family and that support, almost that tribe of people, it's it's really hard to do it on your own. And as, as good as it feels when you accomplish things on your own, um, when you don't have that one person like your mum or, you know, even just extended family to call and say, I need you to come and just give me a break or let me sleep for a minute or just make me some dinner so I don't have to cook it. Um, it's super hard and I've not experienced it any other way with newborns. I've only experienced it with with myself and my partner and, and friends. That, you know, I had amazing friends that still helped out where they could, but they had children of their own families of their own. They can't just, you can't just drop everything for those people, so for you you know you can't drop everything all the time i actually thought that this story would take longer to tell um i didn't realize how quickly i would go from start to finish i don't think i missed any details i think every detail was important um and i really i don't know what else to talk about i hadn't planned ahead of um talking about anything else 
besides um, my story with Liam. Um, This is the exact reason why I decided to start a podcast was because this is the sort of thing that I want to talk about with people. It's not, I don't want to be trivial, you know, I don't want to be all sad sacky all the time, but I want to, I want to be open. I know that there are a lot of people that are just normal people like us um, that feel this way. I just want to touch a little bit more on the whole not having a tribe as well. Um, I didn't have a tribe. I had, you know, I had some really beautiful friends and that was sort of, you know, my little tribe, but that family tribe that um you know the you know that immediate family that you can turn to I didn't have the best relationship with my mother um I held a lot of resentment for her um which we can touch on in other episodes but basically I felt like I was her mother so I didn't feel like I could turn to her for any advice on having babies or babies that didn't sleep and um so that's also a, another thing that adds to things like that is that you feel so removed from everyone already and then you feel like you can't even call, you know, your immediate parent for advice. Um, I had a really good, have a really good mother-in-law and she was always there, you know, to give advice and and things like that. But, you know, there's a certain, it's different when it's your your mother your real mother you you want to be able to call her and ask questions and confide and unfortunately I didn't feel that way with my mother um so yeah I it also contributes to how you want to be as a mother as well I think I know what I don't want to do as a mother and sometimes I feel myself sounding exactly like my mother um, as probably most mothers do but you know the way my mother was when we were young I don't ever want to be like that and she was she was an alcoholic um, and she really thought that was way more important than me and my brothers or my brothers and I and it didn't really impact me at the time I didn't realize it was that impacting me I know that it impacted me now as an adult looking back and thinking oh my god I couldn't do that to my kids. I couldn't put alcohol in front of them or myself in front of them. You know, every now and then we do when we we're a little bit selfish and we, you know, eat the chocolate biscuits in private. And you know, they're little things. But when it comes to your children's livelihoods and giving them basic necessities, um, I would never dream of putting my own wants in front of my children's needs. I just don't, I, I guess, if anything, I give my mother credit for teaching me what not to do in the ways that she parented. Um, and she wasn't all bad, but, you know, you, it's like any experience. You really remember negative things over positive things. And um, I feel like I'm opening up a lot on my own. It feels a little bit weird talking about all this, but um, this is what we're here for. This is what I'm here for, to to be real and raw and... Um, tell my story it's probably no different to anybody else's story some people have had quite hard lives harder than my life I think Um, but what matters to me now is that I can give my kids a better life than I ever had even when it comes to certain things like food my kids will ask for certain things and I go oh my god 
I did not even know what that was when I was your age, you know, and it's not even a like back in my day thing. It's just like a, I just, we were not well off as with my mother and we, you know, we went through stages where we ate white rice, plain white rice for two weeks um, and we made it stretch and we had powdered milk and, you know, we didn't have the things that we needed um, but we tried as as kids we really tried to to make the most of what we had but we didn't know really we didn't know what we were missing out on unless we went to other people's houses and saw what they had and um, even then I don't even think I connected that I was missing out on anything I just thought that was my life and um, was hoping one day it could change and I didn't want that to be my life for the rest of my life um, I really hope I'm not boring people by just talking and talking. Um, I hope the people that are listening are getting something from what I have to say. Um, and I'll just keep saying that I feel super awkward sitting in a room talking to myself. So jump online and tell me your so- sorry, your stories. Um, I want to hear all of it. I want to... To get the conversation started about, you know, perhaps postnatal depression and how it affects us. And um, even though I was not officially diagnosed with it and I won't self-diagnose myself with it, um, I did feel quite low. Um, and I know that there's a lot of people out there that do feel this low and do feel like they're getting to this point. So if you are feeling that way, you know that there are, you know, there are services out there that can help you um, reach out to your doctor. Don't be afraid to tell somebody how you're feeling. It's really is important. And if you don't feel like you can open up to your friends about this stuff, then you don't have the right friends, to put it bluntly. If you don't have people around you that you feel like you can really be real with and say I just want to punch my child in the face um then you need to find new friends I'm really sorry but turn to the people closest to you whether it's family if you're like me and you don't have family close um then you should still be able to feel like you are uh, can call those people and I know there's lots of people out there that don't have relationships with their parents or don't have parents around anymore and that's something that I would really love to get into in another podcast episode because I don't have both my parents here anymore they've both passed away um, and that's another hard thing to navigate being an adult and having children just a little being an adult is hard enough without parents to turn to let alone having children in the mix as well so um you know I have a lot to say and I don't want to keep waffling on and waffling on and um boring the crap out of everybody um because I'm here on my own and I don't have anyone to bounce off of but um yeah Head on over to the Facebook page, um, No Experts on Facebook and on Instagram as well. And if you want to flick us an email, it's noexperts19 at gmail.com. 
um, because I want to talk about your stories as well. I think it will open up more conversations if we have more, um, you know, more people write in and and tell us how they've been feeling or just their stories or if it's funny or if it's sad or, you know, I want to hear from all walks of life. I want, um, I want everybody to join the conversation and feel like they're not alone anymore and that will probably make me feel less alone as well because it is, you know, I'm sitting here on my own talking about my story and feeling like maybe I am the only one feeling this way. So, um, if anything, make me feel better for feeling this way by, you know, telling me your story or just saying, you know, you don't even have to tell me your story, just saying, hey, you're not alone. I'm with you, girl. Um, and I can say I'm right back at you, girl. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't really have much else to say. Um, I wish I had more to talk about. I've learnt my lesson. I will be writing more for just in case. Um, I'm really a, um, um, I, I plan, but I don't plan. I didn't write a script because I felt like I needed to, you know, not read from a script and just for it to sound rehearsed. I wanted to tell my story in a, in a real way. So, um, I should probably write a bit of a script next time. Um, for anyone that's been listening to give me feedback, make sure you give me that feedback. I want to hear it. Even if it's bad, you can tell me to give it up, stick with my day job. Um, and I think I've said despair and alas, the most in this podcast episode. Oh, it's like I have these words of a podcast and I think those are it. Well, I think that's pretty much everything for the episode. Um, thank you so much for listening. I hope you didn't get too bored by my waffling on by myself this is really uncharted territory for me talking to myself on the microphone anyway (laughs) talk to myself all the time but um yeah i really hope that anyone listening can relate to what i've said today so thanks so much for listening bye